Enoch fought the battle of Jericho. Did everybody get it? That's right. Everybody get it, I'm sure. Excuse me. Be sure you say hello to David Carlisle. This is his last Sunday. Give James a hand, everybody. He took David's place. James, I really do love you more than that. That was pitiful. <laughs> do you know how this guy uh, became employed here? He, uh, he actually came to us, had a talent given. He'd been where he was uh, uh, for quite some time, and the economy just kind of crashed, if I remember right. He just started hanging out here while he was looking for a job. And, uh, and then if I remember correctly, he said, I, I love doing this. I just do this, you know. I'll do it for nothing. I don't need to get paid right now. But, uh, but he really did need to get paid. So he just hung out and kept going. You know what? He made himself irreplaceable. We got to the place we couldn't do without him. Isn't that a wonderful spirit? Would you one more time let old James know how much we appreciate him? He's also my chauffeur, so uh, James. My good friend David Cribbs is in service tonight. David, God bless you. David has a house in Springfield, Missouri, and, uh, but he's from around the world. Every time I see him, he's here and there and everywhere. In Phoenix, he's at the beach, he's in the mountains, he's wherever, but you won't find a more godly person, a lay person that loves Jesus with all of his heart than Mr. David Cribbs. David, God bless you. Prepare for blessing. How many of you have lived more of your life between a rock and a hard place than you have somewhere else? May I see your hand? How many has ever stayed in a rock and a hard, between a rock and a hard place for months or years on end? May I see your hands? Good. Hopefully, uh, if you're in a rock and a hard place now, I want you to know that deliverance is uh, on the way. Uh, giving life, so I'm told, uh, giving life, and I've seen babies and uh, newborn babies, etc. I don't, uh, and I, I'm just talking because this is yard talk. Uh, some people believe that every baby is cute. But when you, if you define cute, I was not a cute baby. That didn't happen to me until later. <laughs> but they think every baby is cute. And I, I'm a realist, you know. Sometimes I look and I'm thinking, well, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Would you agree with that? Just in the eye of the beholder. Uh, but, but you ladies, I read a report a while back that giving birth to a child is the closest thing to death, you know? It's the closest thing to death, giving birth to a child. And it's, you're not thinking about that nine months prior to, you know, uh, birth. You never say nine months prior to giving birth, this is going to kill me, uh, bring me close to death. But when that life is born and enters into this world, uh, so I'm told it's a precious experience. 
How many of you ladies remember the last baby that you actually you delivered? May I see your hand? That's good. Some of you are pretty old. It's been a long time. Um, but there's nothing more beautiful than a human life. In every human life, God prepared and God created and had a plan and a purpose for every life. God had a purpose and does have a purpose for Victory Church. God had a purpose and has a purpose for the United States of America. He had a purpose for his people, the Jews. He had a purpose even for the Gentiles. He had a purpose for Ishmael and all of his descendants. Everywhere that you go, God is not slack in having a purpose for human life and those individuals that that whether they acknowledge God or not. Most couples, many couples after marriage, decide if possible to have children. And i got to tell you something. I know some of the greatest couples in the world who have not been able to have children that, my friend, are, are more connected to children than anything you could ever imagine. Years ago, I remember coming up as a child, just a few years ago, that when a woman was pregnant, all the women gathered in the kitchen. You know, it's back when women cooked a lot. This is just yard talk. It's just us, okay? And they wouldn't say the word pregnant out loud. It's, uh, it was like she's, she's expecting. Well, what in the world does that mean? Finish the sentence. She's expecting. Here's something else I thought about in preparation for this message. How many have ever put your foot in your mouth and complimented a lady and asked her how far along she was and she wasn't pregnant? Anybody out there? Any gamers? Anybody other than me? How many has ever gotten right to the door and you realize, uh-oh, I need to tread water backwards and put her in reverse and just shag out of town as quickly as I can? Oh, I'm so very sorry. I, you know, you're, I got you. You must be. I, mis, I mistook you for somebody else. You're, you're not really pregnant, are you? <laughs> just look that way. You didn't say the word. But when a woman is truly pregnant, she has an unmistakable look. You got that? Everybody know that? An unmistakable look. She really, really, Sharon says, oh, she's going to have a boy. I don't, I don't get into it. How do you know? Well, it's no, it's carrying low, the baby's low. I don't know if that's what she said. I don't know if I'm right or wrong. I just know she's said that before. You know, carrying the baby. What does that mean, a little girl? You carry the baby high, you know, rather than low? How many of you think you could tell what somebody's going to have? Some of you ladies out there just by taking a look. Any of you out there? Come on, get your, either raise your hand or shut your mouth later now. When you look at somebody, you say, well, I know what they're going to have. It's amazing, unmistakable look. They're expecting. You see, Isaiah shares a parallel. 
in our text of 54th chapter of Isaiah of an individual that is uh, pregnant shares the parallel of a person that is um, in a desolate place. And Isaiah shares that in the text that the people of God have been in a desolate place and childless and discouraged and hopeless, and he refers to them as a barren woman. In the Old Testament, a barren woman, women were created for one purpose and one person only. That's reproduce. That's it. Reproduce, cook, clean, gather the wood, gather the food, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. A woman in the Old Testament was to do nothing more than to do what the man of the house said do. But women had influence. Abraham was scared to death of Sarah. If I take Isaac's life and she finds out and I'm up here, I'm going to be in big trouble. Job's wife, she didn't care what he thought. She said, why don't you just curse God and die? I already have my eye on somebody else. I'm going to take all your assets. You see, this situation of the barren woman, you understand, never had the joy of giving birth, and you were considered in that day to be cursed. So he uses this terminology and this parallel to try to paint the picture of what it looks like to be between a rock and a hard place. Every tribe where they were expected to grow and multiply. And the bottom line meant that the future potential was there and expected. But in this case, he said, Israel, somewhere along the line, Jews, you got off track. You forgot what you were supposed to do. And Isaiah begins to write in that 54th chapter, and he came into the hopelessness, and this is what he said. Listen, everybody, I want you in the midst of the rock and the hard place, in the midst of not being able to enjoy giving life or giving birth, I want you to find you a song. You see, Israel was in that barren place, and this is what he says, single barren woman, single barren woman, you who never bore a child, burst into song and do what? Shout for joy. The women of that day literally felt cursed because they could not bear the child. It was a curse that marked them. You didn't deserve to sit at the table. You didn't deserve any courtesy. You didn't deserve anything because you did not do what you were created and supposed to do. And that's what they meant. And that's why it draws the parallel, the barren place. It was amazing. You remember what happened as it relates to Sarah Sarah, of course, we understand, we would know in the normal and reasonable why she wasn't. But hey, was her idea? Hey, let me, let me get someone so we can bear that promised son. In other words, let me do anything that I can to be able to bring to pass the production of a child. They were embarrassed. They were unfruitful. And they were helpless. 
And we know that Israel was in bondage to the Babylonian Empire for some 70 years. They were tormented and had experienced what is considered to be, he's talking now of the nation, and he compares it to the barren woman, a failure syndrome, a personal condemnation, a defeatist attitude, a satanic influence, and they, they were conditioned. I'm, I'm never going to be able, I'm never going to be able to give birth. I'm never going to be able to give life. I'm never going to be able to walk on the high road again. I'm never going to be able to hear the fanfare. I'm never going to hear anyone say, well done. I'm never going to hear anybody said, you did great. Never going to hear anybody say, buddy, you stood with it. And boy, look, you have performed and produced. Look what has come to pass in your life. And there are seasons in your life, the devil will lie to you that way. There are seasons in your life in which you worked and worked and worked and you thought, well, I was preparing for a future season and when I got there, someone pulled the rug right out from under me. All that time that I spent investing and crying and praying and working and doing everything that I could, someone else stepped right up front in the food chain and got ahead of me and I was left wanting I received nothing. God, what happened to all the faithfulness when I, I attended church on Sunday night and I, I was in missionettes or I was in rangers or I was in youth or I, I gave, God, and I made one big-time investment and one major profit and I put everything that I had in that one investment. Be careful you don't do that. But I put all the eggs in one basket and it turned upside down and some of you know what that feels like. Because you feel like, well, how will I ever recover? And then someone comes along because you become conditioned to missing the mark, conditioned of not getting the reward. How does it feel when you've known that better times and now everything around you has fallen down? And Isaiah answers and he makes this declaration. Hey, guys. I was in prayer. I was talking with Jehovah in one of my times of meditation, and this is what I feel like he said to me. He said to tell you, I've heard from the Lord, get a song of joy. Get a song of joy. How does it feel when you have no song? In other words, he's saying get a song in your heart. That's step one toward the blessing. The heart is the place of emotion. You see, if your heart is downtrodden and your heart is broken and your heart is discouraged and your heart is confused and your heart is upset and your heart is hardened, your whole body reacts that way. But sometimes all it takes is putting in and just begin to sing the right song and the heart begins to rejoice. It's the place of encouragement, place of hope. The heart is the place of vision and excitement. It is uh, unrelenting against the odds. It, it escapes reality sometimes because it is that place of emotion. And this is what the psalmist said in Psalms 28, 7. The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart, my heart trusts in him and I am helped. My heart leaps for joy and I will give thanks to him in a song. Sometimes 
in those moments when the enemy is mopping you up on the floor and sometimes when you've been disappointed and sometimes the dream has crashed in and sometimes the mountain falls and you just got to the top and before you know it, here's what Isaiah is saying and it's reasonable and it's practical. Get you a song. Get you a song and just begin to sing the song. That's the beauty of music, you see. Here's what it says in Proverbs 14, Wisdom reposes in the heart of the discerning. Often you hear someone say, listen, why didn't you pursue that challenge? You heard all the promises. You heard all the stuff. Why didn't you really give it everything that you had? I was just too discouraged. And the bottom line is I'm so broken. I'm so oppressed. My heart is just not in it. My heart is not in it. This is what Isaiah said to these people. You've lived under bondage all this time, but I'm telling you, you get you a heart. Why? Because, you see, get up and cast aside the discouraged heart, the broken heart, the confused heart, the sad heart, and begin to sing a song because here is the good news. There is a blessing that is on your way. And when your heart is singing a lullaby and your heart is sharing a love song with the Lord Jesus Christ, he said, your heart will have a manifestation of change that will take place for when you get a heart that is encouraged by the grace of God everything else in your body your mind and your spirit will change that's why we worship in song get you a song woe is me Woe is me. I can't take any more breath. Woe is me. Woe is me. Woe is me. My heart is broken and I don't. De- Woe is me. Not that song. Joshua fought the bath. Jericho, 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 Joshua fought the battle of Jericho, tumbling down, makes you want to go out and fight, the blessing is coming, you got bad news lately, file it, address it, acknowledge it. And say, what this must mean, God trusts me enough to put this on me because he knows I got a song and I'm going to have a testimony. Number two, plan the process. You're going to say, what am I going to do? How am I going to manage it? Tommy Barnett said the other day, as we were talking about the Tommy Burt School of Ministry and, and the young minister, he said young ministers ask him, one individual asked him one time, Tommy, he's about 80 years of age now, still going strong, still engaged in ministry. And he said, let me think about this one. He said, I would dream bigger and I would take more risk. I'd dream bigger and I'd take more risk. You see, the plan, plan the process. In Isaiah 54, 2, it's that similar or the portion of Scripture that we read, enlarge the place of your tent and stretch your tent curtains wide. 
Enlarge the place of your tent. Get more ground and, and, and get ready for increase. And Isaiah says, while you're singing, get a plan. State your case. Just talk to God about it. Counsel with the godly. Pursue the challenge and intend to conquer. And he said, once you've got a song in your heart, very little is going to be able to stop you. I love you, Lord, and I lift my voice to worship you, oh, my soul, rejoice in the presence of Jehovah, God Almighty, Prince of Peace. You see, when you have that song, you plan better for what God is going to do through you. So he says, enlarge the tent, open the curtains. There is a time we lick our wounds. There is a time that we acknowledge our mistakes. There is a time in our lives that we have a little pity. Somebody said, well, that's not scriptural. Well, a lot of things you do is not scriptural. It's all right. You have a little pity. I'm not, you're not going to come in and talk to me, and I'm going to say, you know what? You don't pity yourself, you little dummy. It's all right to have a little pity. Amen? It's all right. No problem. Just don't stay in the pity pit very long. And then you walk around half days. Half days. It's like here's this plan and this person and this purpose that God has created walking around half days. Then there must come that moment that we hear the word of the Lord. And we hear Isaiah say, get a song. And he says, now get busy and get the tent out and begin to enlarge the tent. Look what will happen. He says, it, it gets in your mind, it gets in your spirit, and you make a forward progress. Isaiah said this, this is what he said. He said, you've acted like a barren woman, and you've been mesmerized by defeat. Now plan the process for your blessing. Plan the process for your blessing. Here's what I found out. That some of your best friends are going to just break your heart. Some of your best friends are going to say, I can't show up to help you with that. At the end of the day, you know where it really is. Often, more often than not, it's you and it's God. Amen? And you say, God, I want you to know if nobody else shows up, I'm going to do it. Those Wednesday nights I've talked about for 28 years now that I would come in and there's two of us there in the church. I, I prepared a message and preached away. It didn't matter to me. God called me there to preach. The church said, we have church on Wednesday night. I was there. Nobody showed up to begin with except Sharon. And I preached away like it was a house full of people out there. And I had converts on Wednesday night. Sharon. Always willing. So when we fill out that annual report, I had converts. What am I trying to suggest to you? Sometimes it's just you that says, I've got a song in my heart, 
and I've got a tent I want to erect, and I've got a curtain that I need to open, and I've got stakes that I need to drive down. And here's what I found out all those times, my friend, that when you stay true to that, God brings you a blessing that is insurmountable, and you cannot contain it. Don't get bogged down in the murmuring and the bitterness and in the resentment. Now, when a lady is pregnant, there are a lot of things that the lady does getting ready for the baby. I found that out. And I see a lot of new moms, of course, who, you know, the minute that they find out that they're really pregnant, they go down and buy themselves a pregnancy outfit. Can't wait to put it on. You know that? Anybody out there? Help me out now. She gets ready. Now we got to get a baby room ready. Now we got to go find a crib. Now we got to have a rocking chair. Now we got to paint a room. Now we got to put a hardwood floor in. Those babies throw up in the carpet. Now we got to get prepared for all this. We got to stock shelves with Infamil or whatever it is that you give them these days. We got to get it, got to have a chart here. There's that planning and preparation. Why? For the one event. For the one event that that little child comes, you are going to be well prepared. Oh, you're going to have a baby shower. Have a baby shower. Load up with gifts, all that stuff. People don't know unless you tell them whether it's going to be a boy and a girl. Ben King and his wife, Kelly, of course, put on Facebook. They have three, I think, three beautiful little baby girls, and they tried another time, and this time they shared, we're going to have a boy. Ben King couldn't hardly walk around here last week for sale. I got my boy. Uh, I got my boy. They're going to have a baby shower. And you know what? The closet is going to fill up with stuff, and I'm going to go. And I'm going to say that crib that you got in the shower looks like it's $199. That's... $20 in tithe. That outfit right there, probably got it Target. It's $5.99. That's, uh, that's 59 cents. And we're going to just round it off to 60 In other words, I am happy when people get pregnant here. It increases the tithe. What am I trying to suggest to you? When God does come through, he expects to be praised for what he has done. You see, you're as much engaged and involved in God bringing blessing to pass in your life as anyone else. And then finally, here's what happens. Stay committed. Stay committed. Isaiah 54, 2, don't hold back. Lengthen your cords and strengthen the stakes. Get the song plan for the process. Use your head. Now stay committed. Use your will. I know some people, they are champions in my book. They take the high road, not the low road. They believe in the best every single time. And I've watched many individuals just excel because of just that one principle functioning in their life. Stay committed. Stay committed. You know, use, use your will. I'm going to do it. You know, do you know how easy it is to quit and give up? You say, well, I've served my time. You know, I'm, I'm, now I'm ready to give up. I'm going to quit and give up. It's easy. Anybody can fail. Did you know that? Anyone can choose to be a victim. Anyone can choose to have status quo. Anyone can hear good news and reject it. Anyone can be negative. That's easy. Anyone can start out with joy in a song and wind up with a woe is me. Anyone can develop a plan that looks 
good on paper, and they never execute it. But anything that is for real, that has real value, anything that works well takes time, takes effort, and takes commitment, 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 commitment. That's what it takes. You prepare for the long haul. You understand, you see, you understand the power of what that means. That, that lady who, find, she said, I'm pregnant, you know. You talk about, hey, you want to, you want to, you want to not have that pregnancy now? Most women in their right mind would say, don't you dare tell me about that, buddy. I'm telling you what, I've got a treasured gift that I'm working with right here. Isaiah, this is what he said. And here's what it is. You ladies, here it is. You ladies in your first child, you know what the pain is and you go and do it again. Why? Because the joy of the manifestation of the fruit is worth it. Is worth it. Don't hold back. You see, we know that adversity comes and challenges strengthen the stakes. Isaiah knew that the very minute that they began to catch on to this and they began to strengthen the stakes, what for? Nothing exciting here is happening. Why are we lengthening the cords? Why are we expanding the tent? Nothing has happened here. This is a barren woman. No challenge here. But you see, God looked beyond their present adversity into the beauty of the fulfillment of his will in their lives. He meant the challenges of adversity. What did he mean? That the wind... And the pressure and the weight and the dust storms and the larger space to cover. In other words, you get your will of determination involved. Have you ever heard someone say, I want to do this if it kills me? I'm going to do this if it kills me. You say it's a figure of speech. But what it means is I'm not giving up. Many of you are in this room right now and you online audience. You are here because you made a determination. I'm going to church. Hopefully you didn't say if it killed you. <laughs> I'm going to church. I want to be there. But that takes an effort of commitment. Isaiah said it's important to receive the blessing because you will be a blessing for future generations. And that's what we talked about with the young people joining Southeastern University at Victory in Lakeland here is we believe in the future generation. Understand this, somebody's going to follow your path. Someone's going to emulate your commitment. Someone's going to emulate your dedication. Someone's going to emulate your testimony. Someone is going to follow you wherever you lead. Your children are going to respond to adversity just like they've watched you respond. Your children are going to be healthy if you maintain a healthy mental state of mind. Your children are going to example that. If they see you fall apart and scream and snort and rant and rave, that's exactly how they're going to manage their life. If they see you half committed and yet you talk a big talk, but you're not in the game, that's exactly what's going to happen. Only remember this, they're going to be worse. But if they see you with a song in your heart, they see you busy 
Even though you don't have a valid reason at the moment to be busy, you just heard God say, get your tent out. Lengthen the cords and strengthen the stakes. And this is the end of the day that we find in Isaiah 54, or 54.3. For you will spread out to the right and to the left. I don't mind being a bit humorous when I read that and it came to me. I thought, that's a pregnant woman right there, buddy. You're going to spread out to the right and to the left. <laughs> and your descendants are, and your descendants will dispossess nations and settle in their desolate cities. But I don't see that. You don't need to see it. I'm telling you what to do. And then we move forward in Isaiah 54, 11 through 7, and we have, we have the beauty of heaven painted out of Isaiah. We have the beauty of the emulation of a great temple. Listen, 54, 11, O afflicted city, lashed by the storms and not comforted, I'm going to build you with stones of turquoise, your foundation with sapphires, your battlements of rubies, your gates of sparkling jewels, your walls of precious stones, and all your sons will be taught by the Lord, and great will be your children's peace, and in righteousness you will be established. Terror will be far removed, and it will not come near you. And if anyone does attack you, it will not be my doing. Whoever attacks you will surrender to you. And it is I who have created the destroyer to work havoc. No weapon forged against you will prevail, and you will refute every tongue that accuses you. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. And this is their vindication from me, declares the Lord. So wherever you're at in this process, whether it's Israel, whether it's this, he gives the reference to a barren woman, and whatever area, whatever season that you are in, please listen. Get a song. Get a plan. Don't expect everything to work like you plan it, but have a plan. And when you have that plan and you have that song, and you begin to get busy, here's what God will do. Before you know it, God will begin to let you experience what he saw in your life and your family all the time. I talked with a lady before service tonight talking about some members of her family who's not right in alignment with Jesus right now and being a little bit rebellious and maybe just a little bit selfish. And I said, oh, but I go back to the time when your family member was in my office talking about winning thousands for Jesus, talking about turning the world upside down with the message of Jesus Christ. Every time I think about them, that's what I remember. That's what I see. And then my prayer is simple. God, take them back to that place and cause them to rise 
because the love of God for them has never been greater than it is right now. For the devil never fights anything that is worth less. He always fights for something that has worth and value. Get you a song. Get busy and get to work and stay committed, 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 committed. And you will see that day come that God will honor his word in your life. Amen? Would you stand? Let's put our hands together and just thank God. Amen? <laughs> Heavenly Father, I thank you because I believe that you do not fail. I believe that there's a miracle in the house. I believe that some here tonight, some listening online by the power of the Holy Spirit is going to be able to be inspired and going to leave here and going to go back to the mountain or go back to that rock and the rock and the hard place. And they're going to be able to say, I got me a new song. I got me a song of hope, a song of praise. I've got me melody in my heart, and I'm going to sing it. And every time I close my eyes, I'm going to see the future potential of, of what my song is about. And God, I'm going to go down and I'm going to begin to store up things because I believe one day the promise of that baby is going to come and I'm going to be sure everything is ready when that blessing gets here. I'm going to enjoy it. God, I want you to know, and Satan, I want you to know, there's nothing you're going to do. I'm going to stay so committed and so committed and so committed. I'm going to make the enemy so mad I'm going to bring to him one more heart of commitment that will challenge all his imps in hell because the presence of God in my life is greater than the challenges and the disappointments around me. Help me, Jesus, do your will. Just in case you're listening and you're looking and you're watching and you're in this room and maybe your heart is not right, I want to give you a chance to commit your life to Jesus right now, wherever you're at. So repeat this prayer, everyone, please. Dear Jesus, I have sinned. I have failed. I have messed things up. I have hurt people. And tonight, I ask you to forgive me. I ask you to become the Lord of my life right now. I make this commitment and believe that it is not by might nor by any power, but by your spirit that I will keep this commitment in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And if you prayed that prayer, you're welcome to slip down. But if you are the individual in which this message really focused, and you say, wow, I'm in the midst of potential change. I'm in the midst of, of something that caught me by surprise. I didn't need to tell you who you are. The Holy Spirit told you while we were preaching. But you know what? God loves you enough to give you an answer. And all answers get answered out of acts of obedience. You hear that? All answers get answers from God by acts of obedience. You cannot do it your way and expect God to bless your way if his way is already to a dedicated purpose so as we sing this song you just slip down here and get what god brought you here for would you do that right now come on may god direct you